Jesse, the theme of this podcast is stupid internet bullshit. And over the last week or so, we have gotten embroiled in some stupid internet bullshit of our own, more so even than usual, and we have gathered here today to discuss it. Katie, why don't you explain while I check Twitter? Okay. So last week for our patrons, we released an episode on a drama that had unfolded on Reddit, and part of it, part of the backstory involved Graham Linehan. And Graham Linehan, as you will hear shortly is a British television star. No, he's Irish. Irish, I checked already. That's one of the things we got wrong. No, I think we said he was Irish on the show. Someone said that at some point. Maybe I said British at some point. I definitely said that he was Irish and that he listens or that he lives in the UK. So he has gotten really involved in the trans wars over the last couple of years. And the show was it was about this drama that had unfolded on Reddit, but the backstory involves Graham. And we discussed uh Graham's tactics and we were critical of of basically two of his tactics. And so after the episode came out, Graham wrote a series of posts on his Substack um, that were, how shall we say, displeased with the episode. And this is something like basically anyone who Graham believes to be allied with him, who then criticizes him in any way, he blasts out these short newsletter items. Like he almost uses it like Twitter because he got kicked off Twitter. And he just like... Uh, newslettered about us over and over and over. He was mad at you because you'd had some brief email exchange that he, I don't even want to get into any detail I get into his many, many Twitter fans will annoy me about. So he was really displeased, uh, about how we presented him is the short of it, right? Right. So Graham's fans, and there are a lot of them on Twitter, it turns out, um, came for us. Came for us pretty hard. It was uh, it was distressing. It was annoying. Um, it was, literal literal violence. It was literal violence. And in addition to some good faith and I think legitimate criticisms of the episode, there was a lot, also a lot of misinformation that was going around about what we said about Graham. Um, the rumors seemed to be that this was some sort of hit job on him. I did not view it as a hit job at all. All the podcast uh, was about tactics. And it was, as you will hear, it, we criticized two of Graham's tactics in, in his activism. Um, and, and it's important to, to, to be able to discuss these things. But anyway, people were incredibly mad about this. And because there was so much misinformation floating around Twitter about this episode, um, we decided to unlock it. And what we should say, the, the reason that it was locked in the first place, the reason that this was pa- was patrons only was not some sort of, people seem to think that there was, this was some sort of like, this was duplicitous or something. That's, that's not true. The reason it was a patrons only episode is because we had another full episode last week with Jonathan Haidt and this just didn't fit into that. Chate, chate. Chate. What did I say? Hate. Another correction. <laughs> this wasn't some, there wasn't like a lot of foresight here. It's just the timing worked out so that we did two episodes last week. One was open for everyone. It was a long interview with Jonathan Chait from New York Magazine. And this was just the, the one for patrons only. Like this was not, we weren't trying to hide anything. Um, that's just kind of how it worked I, out. This is an interesting meta issue that I will just touch on briefly. You and I slightly disagreed about like how much we should respond to these people. And one of the, my, Issues over the years is like people will say some bizarre bullshit online. They'll just make it up like, oh, you were trying to hide something by making it a patrons only episode. And then you need like, I am I guess I'm glad we're responding to that. But when you get when people are mad at you on Twitter, they will just hurl every accusation at you. And like, that's part of why I'm annoyed at them that we have to then take the time like, yeah, that was our big conspiracy. We, we made it a private episode that a mere 
what, 5,000 people would listen to and no way that would get to Graham. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Absolutely. So yes, we did slightly disagree on whether we should do this or not. My feeling about it is just I I don't like when there's misinformation floating around about us. There is plenty. Um, This comes from a different contingent than it usually comes from. Lots of the same tactics, but but different side. Um, And and I just, I want people to have the chance to hear it for themselves so they can judge for themselves and not through Graham's substack or the rumor mill um, if the episode was egregiously bad or not. Yeah. And so I guess uh, before we play the episode, there were some, there were a few actual corrections, right? Right. So first of all, here's how this is going to work. If you aren't a patron, we're going to play the full episode for you exactly as patrons heard about it. After that, we're going to come back and discuss the criticism. If you're a patron, this episode should be in your feed and we don't want to put it back in your feed because you probably already listened to it. And if you haven't, why are you paying us? You should be listening to our episodes. Um, and so we're just going to skip right to the criticism after this brief intro at the top. But as Jesse mentioned, we did have some corrections for the episode. So please note. All right. So, I mean, this was, I think this was me. I, I didn't mean to imply Mumsnet, like the whole thing was some gender critical or arguably transphobic message board. Mumsnet is a much bigger uh, UK site about parenting. There's like, I guess, a message board on there that has been accused of being, I'm not even, I'm not like, I barely want to say it because so many of these accusations get so overhyped. But the the accusation was that this one message board on Mumsnet had become transphobic or gender critical or whatever you want to call it. I think some people thought we were saying like the whole website was that when it's a site about parenting. Yeah. So I thought that was obvious in the context. I re-listened to the episode and it's like a a minor thing. If you weren't familiar with Mumsnet, I can see how it'd be confusing. But uh, yes, we sort of misconstrued or you, I should say, misconstrued the entirety of Mumsnet. Um, Second correction. But you fucked up something involving your own father. <laughs> I did. And I got a text message about it too, or phone call actually. So I said in part of the episode, you will hear there is a, a slight diversion where we talk about furries and diaper furries. Just <laughs> wait for it. I said that my dad, who is a psychologist and has a blog, at, he's a psychology professor, has a, um, a blog at Psychology Today that he wrote a blog post about furries. That was incorrect. It was a guest post by a woman named Courtney Plant that he posted on his blog, which is called Animals and Us, and you should check it out. Okay, and uh, we said the the problematic IT crowd episode came out in 2013. It didn't. It came out in 2008. You got this directly from the Telegraph. Never trust the Telegraph. They wrote Linehan became embroiled in the trans debate after a 2013 episode of the IT crowd was criticized for transphobic jokes. That should have been 2008. In addition to there being some uh, pronunciation issues I had with the name of Amy Challoner, the former Chandler? Challoner, it is Chal- Challoner, Challoner, it's not, it's a challenge Chancellor? to, t- remember it this way, Challoner, Knight. her name is Amy Knight. Her name is Amy Knight. I mispronounced her name a few times. I'm sorry. I I can't pronounce it. Yeah, we keep like we keep telling people our brand is not involved. That's just going to happen every episode. Pronunciation accuracy. Okay. There was also some questions about whether I presented it or we presented it as though Graham had sort of broken this story. Graham drew some attention to the story. This stuff had been floating around online. Um. Okay. The last thing I said at one point that uh, Graham was. I thought Graham was a trans exclusionary radical feminist. I, I heard from a number of radical feminists who say that Graham is not a radical feminist. I will trust them on that. Uh, I guess that just makes him trans-exclusionary. Yeah. Well, and there was also like people were mad. Well, we'll get into this after people hear the actual episode. But yeah, I guess we should leave it at that. All right. Thank you guys for listening. You're about to hear the episode and then we will meet you back here to discuss. 
we are back again. We are here. It's just us and the patrons. This is exactly how I like it. None of those freeloaders horning in on our conversations. Yeah, fuck those guys. We're going to groom all of you. (laughs) We need to groom them to join you. I don't – I have never – groomed somebody and i'm wondering if when i'm on my deathbed i'll look back on that and be like should have done more grooming i think you should maybe perhaps do more grooming of yourself i've seen photos (laughs) i okay this is gonna sound mean and maybe too personal i could absolutely see katie herzog 26 years old grooming like 22 year old lesbians into like learning their like is this too much or is that there's gotta be a little accuracy well I mean, I don't think that you can groom a 22-year-old, <laughs> but... We can leave it at that. Uh, speaking of things people... I'm trying to find some way to segue this into the episode subject, but I'm not even going to bother. We're going to talk about a crazy pedophilia scandal at Reddit that ties into a deeply polarizing figure named Graham... I don't know his middle initial, but let's say Q Linehan, Graham Q Linehan. Katie, what should the people know about Graham Linehan? So our British listeners are, are well appraised of Graham Linehan, as are probably all of our listeners who exist on gender critical Twitter or trans Twitter for that matter. Um, Graham Linehan is a, he's a writer in the UK. He's Irish. He, he lives somewhere in England and he is most famous for the creation of two shows, Father Ted and the IT crowd. Have you ever seen these shows? A little bit. I have more exposure to black books because I dated someone who loved it, but I, you know, these are all very beloved shows. I think particularly Father Ted, people like love it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I do like British TV because British TV tends to have like regular looking people on their shows. And there's only like four of them as far as I can tell. There's like four British actors in there and everything. And they, they, they just look very normal. It's like not – it's not like American TV. If you or I moved to London, we would just be supermodels. We could be – yeah, we could be stars or British tens. Um, OK. So Graham Linehan, much beloved at one point in the UK. His reputation has certainly taken a turn for the worse among some, for the better among others. But the basic story here is that Graham in – this is – The backstory comes from an article I read in The Telegraph. We will put a link to this in the show notes. Um, But so in 2013, on one of his shows, I believe it was the IT crowd, they had some like some joke about uh, about like a, a, a dude, a cis dude dating a trans woman on the show. And... Uh, and Graham got like dogpiled for it, basically. And Gra- I haven't seen it, but according to the article which you sent me, it was like she could like beat him at arm wrestling and chug beers and stuff. So she was sort of stereotypically masculine, right? And this is 2013 when jokes like that were more socially acceptable than they are now. But still, within you know this like this subset of like particularly online trans people and allies, this was viewed as like super problematic. And uh, Graham got dogpiled. Um, Graham has a when he was a kid, he was viciously bullied. And I know this because I listened to an episode recently of This American Life with John Ronson, John and Graham used to be really good friends, they have since had a falling out because of everything that has happened, everything we're going to talk about in a little while. Um, but John interviewed Graham, it's we'll post a link to this as well. It's a great little segment in part because everything John Ronson does in audio is just incredible. Um, but also because it's sort of like this American life has really has kind of changed a lot in, in recent years. And it's much less about just sort of like, I don't know, funny, sort of lighthearted, like, 
silly things and it's much more about social justice like everything else in the world so it was it was nice to like go back and listen to this and be like oh this is why i fell in love with this show because it was sort of not always lighthearted, but it was just like quirky and surprising in a way that i don't think it is right now but anyway a story for another day so graham was viciously bullied as a child and in 2013 he's hugely successful or was hugely successful in the uk and in 2013, um, when his show put out this, uh, this content that was judged as transphobic, Graham got dogpiled for it. And he, something happened. Hey, can I ask a timeline question before you continue? And maybe I misheard, but sure. the episode was 2013, but Graham, he, did he get dogpiled much later as people sort of got more woke? Cause he hasn't been at this. He's only been at this for a few years, right? I'm not actually sure when the dogpiling happened. That's a good question. He was, he was like a, I don't know if, I think he's been like pretty online for a while because he was, he was like a gamer gay dude, um, like an anti gamer gay dude. Anti gamer gay. Right. Okay. But he was, he was, Anti-gamergate and was accepted by anti-gamergators, which suggests to me whenever this dogpiling that sort of changed him, for lack of a better word, occurred. I, I think it was like oh, 2016 or 2017, but this is probably in the Telegraph article. Um, I'm not sure when it is. Uh, yeah. Okay. But at one point – anyway, at one point, uh, Graham got dogpiled by trans activists and he responded to this by basically – deciding to get like deep, deep into this issue. And for a while, I don't know that he was any different from, from like most, uh, gender critical activists, but something changed with him. Um, I interviewed him in, I believe 2018 or so because he had, uh, in the UK, because they don't have, have robust free speech laws like we do in the US. If you complain about like somebody's tweets to like your local police or their local police, the police will like go to their house and have a talking to with them. And this happened. You mean a Bobby? A Bobby. A Bobby will show up yes. at your door. Yes. So the Bobbies showed up at Graham's door a couple of times. Um, what was interesting to me about this, besides just the fact that like the UK p- police will get involved in Twitter spats, which just seems like a very, very silly use of police resources, but maybe that's what happens when you have a country that doesn't have a billion fucking guns. Um, they can, <laughs> the police can spend their time on Twitter bullshit. So, uh, what interested me about this was that Graham had also, He'd been, his views are inconsistent, right? So he thought, he thought this was like very egregious, but he was also in favor of, do you remember the Count Dankula drama? I think that was the, I don't even want to call him alt-right because I don't know if he's alt-right and people sometimes get called that when, when they are, whatever he is. He's like a edge lordy, probably right-leaning person. I believe he taught his dog to do a, a Hitler salute and that led to the cops being called on him. Not just that. He was – charges were pressed against him for like grossly offensive speech. Uh, he was fined I think 800 pounds and then uh, he refused to pay the fine and the fine was like garnished from his wages. Um, so yeah. So he was a – he's a like – he's a comedian. I don't know what his actual politics are, but he's a comedian and he did this this thing that the UK courts judge so offensive that he was fined for it. And Graham was in favor of that. So at the same time, Graham was saying, like, this is egregious when the police come to my house for misgendering people. It's okay for the police to go to Count Dankula's house because he teaches his dog to do a Heil Hitler salute as a joke. Right. Yeah. So so that can that inconsistency interested me. Um Graham has gotten kicked off of Twitter. Uh, he got kicked off, uh, it was a while ago, and he has since moved to Substack. And the reason he got kicked off was for misgendering. 
But he also accused a um, friend of the pod, uh, Grace Lavery, someone we've talked about several times and unfortunately we'll probably have to talk about more, um, of, uh, of grooming uh, Grace's students. So Grace is a professor at Berkeley and during pandemic um, when they were doing these like Zoom classes online – Grace had tweeted, I don't totally remember this, but Grace had tweeted something about like how this is problematic because, you know, if students are at their parents' houses, then the parents can like overhear what's happening and students don't have the privacy of being in the classroom. And Graham accused Grace of, uh, said something like this is grooming. And Grace is talking about college students. So the the idea that it could be grooming is sort of ridiculous on its face. It's also like what what Grace was saying is just on it. I, I, this is someone I've had nothing but negative interactions with, but this was ridiculous because you're talking about 18 and 19 and 20 year who are legal adults, but who, if they are from a conservative background, for example, it's it's plainly true that the kind of stuff you talk about in a college course about queer studies and sexualities might clash with their parents' values, and this could be an issue. And Graham quote retweeted her and said that this was grooming, which is just a, a ridiculously unfair liable to hurl at someone. It was really bad. Right. And uh, we should say Grace is, uh, is totally fine with libeling other people. Um, yes. But in this case, like Graham, Graham fucked up here. It was very wrong. Grace took it very seriously. Um, and in Twitter... Continues to. She's still writing about continues it. Continues to, yes. Um, and Twitter kicked Graham off. I don't know if it was per- that instant in particular. I'm sure it was lots of things compounding. He misgendered people on a regular basis. He tweeted things like men aren't women, which is why Megan Murphy got kicked out of Twitter. So he was just like, he is a, I don't like to use the term turf because I think the term turf is often used as a slur when people say things like fuck turfs and kill turfs. I'm uncomfortable with that language. I think that Graham is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Um, yeah. And uh, the tricky part, and this is going to come up throughout our conversation, is mixing the parts of what he's saying that I think, I, I think he points out certain things that are fair and true. That the yeah. idea that you're not allowed to hold these beliefs on public platforms and say things like men aren't women, that most people agree with, that's one thing. Some of his maybe more offensive or radical beliefs and definitely his online style of interpersonal uh, f- fighting and and conduct, it, those, are, those are beyond the pale. Yeah. But, Part of the problem here is like he, he's pointed to some genuine issues like in the UK, like you you can get on basically an academic blacklist just for arguing against self-ID that it's ridiculous how constricted the rhetoric is. Right. So I, I think that Graham uh, makes some good points. I think he makes some terrible points. I don't actually think that he is good for the gender critical movement. I don't think allies like no. him are helpful at all. And in fact, I think they're counterproductive. I think it's this, you know, to like steel man the misgendering thing for a second. Like I have talked to lots of feminists who have explained to me why they continue to misgender people. And what they say is, this is a fiction. I am not going to, I'm not going to live in this fictional reality. Trans females are male. I'm not going to live in this. I'm not going to to abide by this fiction. I am not going to give into it. That's fine. I think it's a, it's a, a, a bold stand to take. It's not one that I personally hold. I think that you can believe that this, that the idea that trans women are literally women, you can understand that that isn't actually true, but you can still be polite to people and be kind to people. And I, like, to me, the idea of misgendering, like, I, I lose absolute nothing by referring to trans people by the pronoun that they want. Um, And if you don't, it frankly makes you look like an asshole and it makes it harder for for people to take you seriously because you just get written off as a bigot immediately. Yeah, there's very little upside. But but I think the true steel manning is something like – 
It is true that online, the subset of people who get in big fights about this online, uh, a feminist would say, you know, a lot of the time these are people who haven't transitioned at all, who just sort of declare Peter Coffin style they're no longer male. And from the point of a from a feminist perspective who believes in like female only spaces that could get problematic, I just think you could make all those arguments at the policy level without taking it out on individuals and, and being dicks to individuals. Right. And I should I should admit too, like, I'm not gonna call Peter Coffin she, her. I'm not going to do that. Um, there are some people who, like, who have done, like, who don't have gender dysphoria, who say things like, I'm opting out of this system for, because I, I want to, like, reject male privilege or whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play that fucking game. But if somebody is actually, like, doing something to present as the other, as the other sex, if this is, like, actually something that, that is meaningful for them, I will, I will, like, go along with it. Um, it's just, like, yeah. to me, I think it's just, like, basic, Basic politeness. A lot of our listeners right now are probably seething because they disagree, which is totally fucking fine. We are allowed to disagree on this. I don't even think it's a lot. I, I don't think it's that many who would like actively misgender people. But I, I think the problem is people on both sides confuse etiquette and politeness with like a philosophical statement. They act like if you say she to someone, that's that's conceding that they are literally a woman in exactly the same way a cis woman is. I don't think either you or I see it that way. Right. And like, you know, I, I'm curious, like, is somebody like Graham Linehan, is he going to refer to Buck Angel as she? Like, yeah. you know, like Buck Angel is sort of gender critical on his own. He obviously looks like a guy. I One of the reasons I'm against bathroom bills, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons I'm against bathroom bills is because I want people like who look like Buck in the women's room. Um, you know, it's anyway, shit's complicated. I'm going to use the Jesse single tagline. It's complicated. Graham got kicked out off of Twitter and he moved to Substack. He has used his Substack. I do not subscribe to his Substack. I have actually, I'd never looked at it until just a couple days ago when like everything we're going to talk about happened, happened. Um, but Graham has done what I think are some like pretty fucked up things on Substack. He's basically using Substack like Twitter because he can no longer be on Twitter. So these are not like long essays. He, he like posts lots of tweets with like a couple of thoughts. Um, and a while ago, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, Graham apparently heard that there was a lesbian app called Her and that there were trans women on this app. And so he took a bunch of screenshots of these trans women's profiles. He would call them men, but they were indeed, like you can see on their profiles, they say that they're trans women. He took a bunch of screenshots of these women's or these people's um And I and I should say, like, I, I understand why people look at photos of, of these people and say, like, I'm not going to refer to that person as her because in some cases it was like big, big beardy dudes, um, and put them on, put them on a Substack. Yeah. He, he added me when he launched the Substack, he added me, he gave me a free subscription. I didn't ask for it. I'm looking at it now. And like, he is just sort of holding these people up for ridicule. Like, look, I, they're, they're people who haven't transitioned at all and look male and they're on a lesbian dating site. But that's if you disagree with that, say you disagree with that. And and I don't they're not breaking the site's policies, right? No, they're not. So I, I downloaded the app today. It's called Her. And I just wanted to see like if it's true that this app is just like rampant with trans women or even cis men, um, you know, who are just like invading this app. And no, it's not. And so my location is set to Seattle. So, you know, obviously, this is going to be different depending on where you live. But Seattle is the type of place where you would probably expect to see more 
more trans people. I saw, I probably swiped through a hundred, a hundred profiles. There were probably three visibly trans women. There was one guy who was obviously a cis guy. Um, and that's not allowed on the app, you know. And of course, there's some like it, it gets very muddy where it's like, okay, this cis guy is not on the app, allowed on the app. This so male is not allowed on the app, but this other male who looks just like this male but says that he's female is allowed on the app. So I I understand why it's a little bit confusing. But the thing is, like, it's not against the policy of the app for people to for trans people to be on this app. It's just not. So they're not violating any rules. The annoying thing to me about the on the app is that when you make your profile. Um, it ha- it gives you a bunch of different choices for like to, you know, like pronouns and gender and stuff. So it's like non-binary, gender fluid, trans woman, trans man. Here's the thing. Every time they, they, and woman, every time they print, they print the word women, they spell it W-O-M-X-N. Oh God. So you cannot be a woman on the app. You can be a womixin. Clearly, this app is designed to be inclusive. If they're using language like that, it is an inclusive app. And so for Graham to get pissed on behalf of lesbians about an app that is designed to be inclusive doesn't make any sense to me. If this was an app that was designed to be exclusive, yeah, then there shouldn't be, you know, there. Sh- if this was an app just for, like, women who only want to sleep with biological females, then, yes, it would be fucked up for, like, trans women to be invading the app, but that's not what the app is. They're not violating the app's terms of service. And all all you have to do when you see these profiles is fucking swipe, swipe left, like, and they will disappear. Yeah. One thing about the app that I, I do think some people made, this was a good point, apparently, and I haven't seen any, like, hard proof of this, but apparently the app was deleting profiles that said, like, like biological women only, which I think is kind of fucked up, you know. That's crazy that you're not allowed to have that. I mean, I that's that's my preference. You're, I'm not allowed to have that or express it on a dating. Right. Day. I guess the you know the the argument would be like, well, are you allowed to say like no Asians, no fatties, which is something that doesn't. People always say that, but that's really stupid. Well, okay, yeah, that's such a dumb analogy right. because if we accept that sexual orientation is a thing, right. I mean, this we could fall down a deep Tumblr wormhole here or rabbit hole, but like sexual. Or uh, preferences in terms of sexual orientation are clearly different from other sorts of preferences, and I'm not even I'm not even going to concede that like favoring certain features are, is is racist because I don't think people have that much control over that. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So okay, so just like uh, the other thing, uh, annoying thing about the app is that like astrology is very prominent on it, but of course it has to be like that because it's a fucking. That's who people should get held up for ridicule over, not their gender yeah. presentation. They have uh, they have four pronoun choices: she, her, he, him, they, them, z, her, hers, or prefer to self describe. So I guess you can slot in your own there. Um, you know, I did see like a couple of like, you know, people who are obviously male and are doing a very poor job presenting as female, or just are not trying to present as female. But that was a very very minor percent of the like of the population that I saw. So anyway, Graham for some reason decided that it was his business to like take this lesbian dating app, this inclusive lesbian dating app, her to account. And so he uh, made a profile, um, had like a, you know, like a silly wig on, uh, said his pronouns were she, her or whatever, made up a name. It was just, it was to make a point, right? Um, and, uh, and, and he put, you know, he put a picture of his profile on his Substack along with these other trans women's, which I just like, these are individual people who are not in the public eye. 
a dating app is sort of public in the sense that if you sign up for it, everybody can see it. But I just like, I wouldn't share screenshots publicly from any fucking dating app. I think that's really fucked up. No, it's gross. It's really gross. These people are not political pawns. We may disagree about whether or not they should be on a dating app like this. They may be creeps. I have no fucking idea. Neither does Graham. But he was just ridicul- rid- He was ridiculing these individuals to make a political point. He could have done that in a way that didn't involve putting their pictures on his fucking substack. I I mean, if if the question was, do cisgender women have a right to their own spaces, like you know, not uh, banning trans women from jobs, but but if, I I think of course there should be some spaces for biological females. That's fine, um, as long as you're not taking away sort of the rights of transgender women to housing and the work and everything else. But that's such a different argument from doing what Graham's doing and holding up individuals for ridicule. And he does the same thing. He's done the same thing, just like sort of making fun of the way some trans women look and present themselves. He held up Grace Lavery's photo for ridicule. This is just – this is bullying, whatever you think of the other issues here. It's just mean and especially for someone who has has experienced bullying. He shouldn't do that. Now, Lavery's an interesting case because she she is herself a bully and very cruel to people in other ways just in terms of making shit up about them. I don't think she's as – I don't think she would like hold up a photo of me and ridicule me. God knows she could if she wanted. But – this is just all why, like, I – this idea that we can't criticize Graham Linehan, that that means we're not on the right side of these issues that are genuinely complicated is stupid because the question of tactics is important and the question of of decency is important. Well, OK. So the other thing is that – we'll get into this in a little bit. You got basically dogpiled by a bunch of Graham's followers and it was really interesting to watch because there's this assumption that, you know – Trans people and their allies call you and I transphobic all the time. It doesn't matter how many times we stand up and say, like, we're not terse, we're not transphobic, whatever. It appears as though some people on the other side of this issue hasn't have internalized this message. And they genuinely think that you and I are their allies in this fight, which is not actually true. Like, I, I won't speak for you, but I'm a fucking journalist and a writer and a, and a cultural critic, and I am not an activist and I am not on, on anybody's side on this. I have, I certainly have some, some like some more sympathy towards the gender critical argument that a lot of people in media, but I'm not an activist. I am not an ally of Graham Linehan. I'm not an ally of, of anybody on this side. My job is to observe it and talk about it and not to be, and not to be the person who's like down at the fucking like courthouse screaming at people. This is just, this is not how I see our position in this world. No, I agree. I mean, I obviously have some opinion. My opinions are sort of meta opinions, like opinions on what you should be allowed to have opinions about. Like, I don't think gender critical Reddit should have been shut down. Uh, I don't think, you know, they temporarily shut down the detransition subreddit. I think the the most forceful arguments I make are just liberal arguments about we have to be able to discuss these issues publicly. I do not see myself as an advocate for specific positions, even if I express some opinions. So I think people are... I think Graham is an activist at this point, uh, which is his right because he was never an object – like he never claimed to be a journalist. He's a writer and he's allowed to be an activist. But just this idea that we can't disagree with him or that we have some obligation to be on his side or the perceived right side, I just disagree with that completely. It's – you know, it's like it's like these people hear Grace Lavery say Jesse Single is transphobic and they think, all right, Jesse's transphobic. He's on our side. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, know, which is not actually the case. Like – like. My interest in this issue has never been about like getting 
fucking policies change. My interest in this is not as a, not as a neutral observer, but as an observer, not as an activist. Um, and it's frustrating that both sides seem to, seem to think that like, if you are, you are a journalist, you should be pulled into this and should be, uh, should be campaigning on one side for the other, which is Julie Bindle is that role. Julie Bindle is a journalist activist. That is not who I am. I also think we've, we have both gone out of our way, whatever people say about us to, Try to treat individuals with decency even when they're not doing that to us. And I, I'm not going to give that up. And I think Graham has lost credibility and he probably has harmed his particular fight by becoming such a lightning rod over shit that doesn't help. Whether or not he posts a mean photo of Grace Lavery, it probably only hurts in the long run. Like he has a small group of supporters who will who will pile on, but that doesn't – if his goal is to sort of fight self-ID and, and enhance the uh, political position of gender-critical folks, that does not help. Right. And I think – frankly, I think this has been bad for Graham. Um, he's apparently lost lots of his friends. I'm sure that it is – I don't know what his financial situation is, but I'm sure that it is would be impossible for him to make a show right now. Um, you know, he's 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 sort of – increasingly alone in this fight and i feel kind of bad for him but i also frankly i think he needs to to walk away i think he needs to put down the fucking internet and walk away this has not been good for i don't i don't think that he's been good for this fight and i don't think the fight has been good for him and i think that when he hears this he's going to be incredibly mad at us and he will probably write about us but you know yeah, this is this is how I see it. Grace Lavery has been demanding anyone who she sees as being in his orbit, which is ridiculous because I'm not in his orbit. I don't know where she got that, uh, but that people chime in on whether he should be banned from Substack. Will we be like taking the bait by talking about that, or should we talk about it? No, we need to talk about it. So, so what happened is after like several weeks of people like Grace, I, I don't know if Grace ever called for your deplatforming. I think she probably didn't, but uh, Jude Doyle. No, she 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 her latest mean post called me all sorts of names, but specifically um, explained why I'm different from Graham and that I'm less sort of cruel and personal. And she said I shouldn't be deplatformed. It was the most like, like this was like her, like, like, I don't know if this was some sort of like olive branch, but if it were an olive branch, it was a fucking poison one. Um, (laughs) Poison olives. And of course, like as always, like got a bunch of details wrong because Grace is also like Graham, not actually a fucking reporter. Extremely. Just made, made shit up. I don't want to say get shit wrong. She made shit up, but we can leave that. Okay. So yeah. So Grace, uh, a few other people, Parker Malloy from Media Matters um, have been, have, have basically shifted their attention from you because I think they realized that it failed to Graham. And so they are demanding now that Substack deplatform Graham Linehan. We have just talked for several minutes about everything that we disagree with Graham on. Jesse, do you think that Substack should deplatform Graham Linehan? No, but I would also defend people doing the equivalent thing. Like if a trans activist kept ridiculing individual anti-trans figures and saying mean things about them, I would still think they shouldn't be kicked off Substack. Grace Lavery is really spreading falsehoods about me. Uh, I do not think she should be kicked off. Jude Doyle straightforwardly libeled me. I would not try to get him kicked off. I'm against people being kicked off these sites in general. I don't know if if his behavior you know, matches uh, the terms of service definition of harassment or whatever. That's Grace's charge. 
I, I think we should always take a liberal stance on this stuff because you go down the road of kicking people off platforms. Like we've seen where that leads and I, I don't like it. What do you, what do you think? That's exactly how I feel. This is one of those cases where, you know, to, uh, to bastardize that quote that probably was not actually from Voltaire. I may disagree with the things you say, but I'll defend your right to say, to, to say it. If Substack kicks Graham Linehan off, Substack will have signaled that they are vulnerable to these sort of public pressure campaigns. I didn't think that Alex Jones should be kicked off of YouTube. I don't think that Graham Linehan should be kicked off of, of, of Substack. People don't like, you know, slippery slope arguments, but, um, it is a slippery slope. And, uh, we've seen what happens before. It starts out with Alex Jones or it starts out with Graham Linehan. And then all of a sudden <laughs> there are masses, mass numbers of people getting kicked off of these platforms because if the platforms show they're vulnerable to these public pressure campaigns and Substack has shown that they are vulnerable to these public pressure campaigns because when Sadie Doyle and Grace Lavery complained and whined about Substack, Jude Doyle. uh, I'm sorry, Jude Doyle and Grace Slavery complained and whined about Substack. Substack responded by offering them money. Well, so we don't know they offered Jude Doyle money. They said they would be open to it. Then Jude left to the much less moderated ghost platform, which is amazing. Um, Grace, yeah. Gr- and Medium, which is even better because Medium is getting fucking shut uh, down. And and then proceeded to libel me on Medium immediately. Uh, so Grace did get a pro deal. I would not have offered her one, but you know what? They had a, I'm not going to bash Substack. They've had a backbone. I've benefited a lot from them. They clear, they're explicit about the pro free speech stance, but yeah. And the other thing is like, it's very dickish to post someone's profile from a dating website. If you put your name or just your first name and a photo of yourself on a dating website, you do not have an expectation of privacy the way you do with like your cell phone number, because anyone like, you know, I, I have a girlfriend now. I was on Tinder, it would be dickish if someone posted like my Tinder profile to the world, but it isn't, it's just not the same as like doxing as providing someone's home address or cell phone number. So I don't know. To me, that's like the worst it's shitty, but people do it all yeah, the time. Yeah. Like they do it with like dudes who have like, like bullshit feminist ally shit. They do it with people with MAGA profile pics. This happens all the time. It's just, it's a shitty thing to do, but still, I don't think that Graham should be kicked off of Substack um, because once they start, you know, it, you cannot give, like you cannot give these people an inch um, because it'll just keep going. It'll, we've seen this over and over again. Well, and also, do, I mean, does Grace really think that someone, if someone repeatedly made fun of Graham Linhan's appearance by taking bad photos of him, and making fun of them, that that should get them kicked off Substack. What's like the principle here? And do we really want to to be stuck with a principle like that? Assuming she believes in principles, which I don't think she does. Right. Grace, uh, Grace is, uh, you know, says that Graham libeled her by saying that or by writing that she was grooming, um, grooming her students at Berkeley. And then Grace goes on to libel you on a regular basis. So uh, if libel is the standard, yeah. Grace should also be kicked off. Substack should not. I don't think Substack should say libel is is not allowed because and I say this as someone they couldn't. Yeah, I, they what are they going to do? They need if it's proven li- like if I think Jude Doy I do think Jude Doy libeled me, but I'm not going to ask Substack to take it down on that basis because like you know, if I want to sue someone, I I need to just do that. You can't expect a platform to make libel determinations itself. Am I going to send Substack a bunch of documentation and then have Jude? I mean, what are, they, they can't do that. Right. And the whole thing is like, they are a, it, it always goes back to this question. Is it a publisher or is it a platform? 
I think it's a platform. I don't think it's a publisher. They don't have any editorial oversight unless they want to deplatform people, unless they want to like hire a bunch of fact checkers and editors, which is <laughs> then it's not right. fucking Substack. Then it's a magazine. Also, I don't want to launch any rumors. I have, I have no imminent plans to sue anybody. I was just using that as an example because people are already spread rumors that I have sent non-existent uh, lawsuit threats. A lot of people do want you to sue. I've gotten a lot of feedback in that direction. Do we – have we given enough of a Graham Linehan primer to jump into this whole Reddit thing? Yeah, I think we're good. The reason we're talking about Graham Linehan is because of this crazy uh, scandal on Reddit that unfolded over the last week. Uh, it starts with a woman named Amy Chandler. She's a trans woman, British. She was a rising star until recently in the UK's Green Party, She's known for work on LGBT issues, trans rights activism. Uh, one news report said she was in line to become deputy leader of the Green Party. Now, her father, David Chaloner, turned out to be a violent pedophile. Uh, this included a horrific crime where he raped and tortured a 10-year-old that he held captive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and say I'm against that. Uh, let's not jump to conclusions. Let's hear the full context, okay? Uh, here's what The Independent said in January of 2019. I'll just read the first three graphs. A rising star in the Green Party did not clearly tell colleagues her father had been charged with serious sex crimes against a child before appointing him as her election agent. David Chaloner, 50, was charged with 22 offenses in November of 2016, including the rape and torture of a 10-year-old girl, but went on to work for his daughter, Amy Chaloner, during two elections while out on bail. An independent investigation, uh, that's by the Green Party, found Chaloner posed a, quote, major safeguarding risk, end quote, for two years while he was given roles of responsibility in the party, including as his daughter's agent during the 2017 general election and 2018 local council elections. So... And and what is an agent in this in this sense? I think it's just sort of like a high level staffer helping to to run your okay, campaign, like a campaign manager. I think it's in that general vicinity. So the argument here is that Amy then Chandler, she's changed her name tonight, knew that her father had been arrested on these super serious charges, and only very vaguely informed anyone in the Green Party. I I, I read a little bit of the their official report about what happened, and then let him out into the world in positions where he could have unstructured interactions with people. This is a violent sex criminal. Uh, that's not all. Ch uh, Knight, I'll call her Knight from now on because her name is now Amy Knight. Knight's partner appears to have written sexualized stories about children. Here's where Graham comes in because uh, his newsletter is called The Glitter Report. And here's what they wrote on The Glitter Report on March 16th. And this is, uh, this is his substack. This is his substack, yes. The, the, the Glitter Report. In 2019, Amy's future husband, Nathaniel D. Knight of Michigan, was outed by Mumsnet. That's sort of like a gender-critical feminist message board in the UK that a lot of people hate uh, and see as anti-trans. People can look into that. Uh, he was outed by Mumsnet for writing sex stories involving children. Nathaniel wrote the tweets below to defend himself but received a backlash from Twitter users. These tweets led to Amy being investigated and removed from the UK's Liberal Democrats and eventually she was removed from Stonewall's Trans Advisory Board. Stonewall's a major uh, LGBT charity in the UK. And I think here too, but I think it's known in the UK. They might have uh, be on both sides of the pond. Nathaniel also had his Twitter account suspended. Okay, so this is part of the, the difficulty here is we might not like Linehan, but a lot of this, his reporting is borne out. So in this case, there's a 2019 article in the Coventry Observer, a local paper over there, that seemed to confirm everything he said. And uh, Knight's husband, one of the tweets he wrote was, 
<laughs> Please don't take this out of context. Maybe I should have had Katie read it. Quote, I fantasize about children having sex, sometimes with adults, sometimes with other children, sometimes kidnapped and forced into bad situations, sometimes coerced through fantasy mind control, end quote. So this guy... Don't kink shame, Jesse. Don't kink shame. (laughs) This guy is what they call in the business a sick fuck. He's openly talking about, yep, I fantasize about children. He wrote some sex stories involving children. So... uh. Amy Knight, having been kicked out of the Green Party, was then kicked out of the Lib Dems over this. You with me so far? This is a very light springtime story so far, right? Right. So to be clear, Amy has herself not been accused of of doing anything or writing this like super creepy fanfic. These are this is her father is an abuser and her husband is a creep. She has been accused credibly, yes, but she's been accused credibly of potentially putting kids in danger because the Green Party said this sure. was a safeguarding risk for her to let her father have that role. So she's she Yeah, especially with her father that seems like a, a totally valid yes. complaint. She has not been accused she's a convicted pedophile. She's not been accused of anything directly related to this, but her father is a convicted violent pedophile and her partner I think there might be others. I think it's polyamorous. Um, her partner appears to have a sexual interest in children. And and that Twitter that tweet I just read was saved as an archive link. So that's just not just some unverified screenshot. An archive link is um there's a program you can use to save someone's tweet forever, even if they delete it. And it makes it clear to see if a tweet was legit. If there's an archive of it, they did really tweet that. Amy Knight subsequently claimed that his Twitter account had been hacked, Ah. but he also on some other message board had stories about kids dating back a far way. The Joy Reid defense. According to Linehan's website. The Joy Reid defense, yes. Okay, so so here's where we are so far. Amy Knight surrounds herself with creepy fucking people. Yeah, she doesn't seem to mind being around pedophiles or to sometimes give them access to... uh, Society. Is there another trans woman in the family? I think I read that, but I was sort of confused about pronouns. Like, is Amy Knight have a have a sister who's also trans or a mother who's trans or something like that? This I do not know. There, so the Graham's newsletter has done this like sprawling. I don't want to get into any of this, but there's some connection to the furry community. And anytime you get to the point in a story where the furries come up, you just – you want to turn around and run the other direction. There's also – log off, throw your phone in the water. Yeah. I don't know how much this is like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Maybe it's like two degrees, but Amy is connected to people who seem to be in the diaper fur community, which is a thing. Wait. So there's (laughs) – so it's not – it's not just – Furries, it's furries and diapers. Or is it Um, diapers that are covered in fur? I'm going to, you know, I only have a little bit of my soul left, so I'm just going to use the rest of it on a a Google search for diaper fur, and I'm going to read what what comes up. Give me a sec. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Deep breath. (sighs) Diaper fur. (laughs) Diaper fur. (laughs) Oh, no. The second link is explore the best diaper fur art. I'm not clicking on that. The third link is diaper fur stories. The first link, diaper fur, diaper fur, Urban Dictionary, a group of furry, furries who provi- who pride themselves in wearing diapers. Unlike cub furs and baby furs, this group views their fursonas diapered, but not at a young child age. There's a lot of overlap apparently between furries and people who like sexualized images of anthropomorphic animals who appear to be children. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about furries. That's the question is like. Are, are, are all furries sexual? My dad – we can put a link to this. My dad wrote a, a blog post for psych, for psychology today about about uh, 
furries and sexuality um, because his two his two fields of research are human sexuality and animals. So a lot of overlap there. And I think his conclusion was that some furries are it's sexual for some, but not all furries. Yeah, this whole like the, you can you do not want to read some of the gremlin hand newsletters on this they go really deep into these communities and there's some fucked up shit but okay there's a kink for everything that's where we're at so far is amy knight's been kicked out of two political parties because of her connections to pedophiles or i guess her husband or partner isn't like a convicted pedophile but certainly appears to have uh pedophilic interests all right wait should we okay i'm sorry to derail this but considering that we have in the past you know both of us have defended pedophiles it sounds if you are new to this podcast, it's actually that's actually less damning um, than than it than it might sound on its face because what we know from from clinicians and sex research is that pedophilia is is essentially a condition. It's something that you we're not talking about child abuse, but pedophilia is as far as we know, this is something that an attraction to children that people are born with. There's some sort of like cross wiring that gets fucked up in their brains, and uh, you know there's a major difference between having these attractions and not acting on them. Um, which is what you want pedophiles to do, and then acting on them. I don't think there's any evidence that that Amy Knight's partner has actually touched children. It's super creepy to write to write erotica about kids. It's also not illegal, so I think we should just like to, for the sake of consistency, um, also just point this out that like is it is written stuff all legal in the states? I mean, I'm well, they're in the UK. Like you, you you're not going to get arrested for writing fanfic about kids fucking right well well so so the the questions are okay amy's the mainstream account on this if you talk to the sex researchers who know about pedophilia is it is not their fault they have these urges they they were sort of born that way but they have responsibility not to harm kids right so uh and surely that extends to people who know what their inclinations are so yeah i don't think we're saying I'm not defending someone who writes stories about sexualizing children. I just – I don't have it in me. I I don't know what like the answer is. I don't think they should be arrested. But I I just think that's really sick. And and the knock is not like throw people away just for feeling this way. It's it's, it's, – Amy really may have put people in risk by giving her – you know, he's just an election agent, but that's a position to like interact with people, including potentially kids, which is really fucked up. And and so I don't think any of this goes against our view that um, according to most mainstream sexologists, pedophilia is sort of like a sexual orientation that you just can't act on morally and that, you know, that makes the treatment question interesting. Right. It's a big question. Um, we'll put a link to a, a This American Life show from, I think, like 2014 um, by this guy. I think his name is Luke Malone. Um, that really, it changed my whole perspective on on pedophilia. I'm not in favor of it now, but um, it's, a, it's, it's really good. It's just like, this is a, a whole other tangent, but it, it talks about, it's an interview with a, a teenager who has like pedophilic inclinations and it's about um, sort of best treatment and, and um and uh, what what it's like to be born a pedophile. So we'll put a show, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I recommend that people listen to it because it's um, it might give you a different perspective on this issue. Not that it's <laughs> yeah yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I I do think people co- who are coming at this fresh might be like yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck are Jesse and Katie talking about? We're really just referring to the question of whether like pedophiles sort of choose to be what they are or to have control over it. And and This American Life is a mainstream outlet. Other people have written mainstream stories. The question of how to prevent these people from harming kids yeah. is important. And I'll, I'll include links. We've both written a little bit about it. You should read the links before you decide where, where even. Right. This is – the goal, is, as always, is – 
to have no children being harmed. And part of that means in some cases being sympathetic to people who who have pedophilia because it is a condition that is not to say that amy chancellor's father or 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 husband are people we should be sympathetic to no. um uh, but yeah so okay back to this recent post on the glitter report was called something rotten at the heart of reddit by a guy named yorg c uh i guess it could be jorg i'm gonna go with yorg so yorg made a strong case that uh the Reddit user is not the imposter who had just been named an admin was Amy Knight. Now, now on Reddit, you have mods who oversee subreddits like uh, our, our faithful mod, Soft and Chewy, oversees the blocked and reported subreddit. That's a volunteer position just to like keep a mod running. But then Reddit also hires admins who are a level up in the hierarchy and and really have the keys to like a lot of the site's uh, administrative features. I believe they can really nuke users and and ban posts, and they have a lot of power. And this site made the argument that uh, Amy Knight, who let her pedophile father be her election agent, and then was involved in this other controversy involving uh, or scandal involving her partner, was now an admin for Reddit. So that would be bad enough, of course. Like. You know, you probably shouldn't hire someone like that for a role like that. But then Reddit began very aggressively banning anyone who brought this up, who connected a, this Reddit employee who wasn't going by her real name to Amy Knight. Here I will read from The Verge. Hundreds of Reddit communities have locked down to protest Reddit's handling of a controversy involving former UK politician Amy Knight. More than 200 subreddits have set their status to private in the past day, including the 27 million member forum r music, as well as large boards dedicated to Apple Mac computers and the games Among Us and Pokemon Go. So tens of millions of people who are used to checking these Reddit boards are finding they're suddenly locked because there's this mass protest against Reddit's attempts to do what only can only be called censor news of an employee who was involved in like serious uh, issues involving sexual abuse of minors. Did our Reddit uh, lock down and protest? No, our Reddit is firmly pro-pedophile, so we just, we stayed right open. <laughs> so all of this eventually led uh, to, uh, well, for one thing, there were a lot of funny posts about the stupid poll is like a good Reddit to check out if you're, if you don't like identity politics, but you're on the left. Although sometimes they get a little bit, whatever, but um. Someone posted to stupid poll. It sure is fun watching all the threads on Reddit being nixed about redacted. Then the body reads for those out of the loop, Reddit hired redacted whose father was found guilty of redacted and whose partner openly tweeted about redacted. They have been grifting around various political institutions, such as the redacted party using their redacted to parlay into political clout only to be expelled when their links to redacted are discovered. A uh, bunch of that happens. Then finally, March 24th, the Reddit user Spez, S-P-E-Z, who is co-founder Steve Huffman, posts an update on the recent issues surrounding a Reddit employee, basically saying, I don't think he mentions Amy Knight by name, but saying our employee was getting harassed. So no. we started this. Sorry. I mean, that's the that's the interesting thing about this to me is that no one mentions her name. Yeah. just She's just a Reddit employee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's incredibly vague. Like – some people know what you're talking about, but also like we cannot name this person. We are we will not she who shall not yeah, be named. And um 
let me make sure that he doesn't mention the name. I don't think he mentioned it anywhere in there. And then everyone replies being like, thank you for banning Amy Knight and, and mentioning her name. Cause the whole point was about censoring her name. But, um, so we, anyway, his, did, did they then, did they get banned after they mentioned her name? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, I'm trying to see now. I'll include links in the show notes. People can see all this for themselves. But but he, yeah, his basic argument was, um, he writes, on March 9th, we added extra protections for this employee, including actioning content that mentioned the employee's name or shared personal information on third-party sites. So he's admitting that like, if people connected this person who was Amy Knight to Amy Knight, they, they could get in trouble. But then he basically argued that our attempts to protect her from harassment went overboard and ended up um, censoring legitimate content. Right. So the article – so the link that apparently started this was a Julie Bendel piece that like had like a – like one line I think about about Amy Amy Knight, Amy Chancellor. Chandler. And, uh, and th- Chandler. And then – so like somebody on some Reddit shared this link and then that, that – person was was nuked from reddit right yeah yeah there was just like instant really aggressive nuking i think the uk politics board got hit first and they were like we're locking down we're becoming private nobody if you know who this person is don't mention them because you will risk being banned and i mean there's a lot of interesting questions here but one is this idea that someone who gets paid by reddit to be an administrator has a right to like have their name, their their real name not revealed. And especially in a case like this where their real name is connected to, you know, real life malfeasance, I, I'm not sure that's realistic. And it's a public figure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't really buy Reddit's story that this was all some kind of accident. It seems like they really thought they could keep this under wraps, but I, it was it's a genuine scandal for Reddit. And it makes me all the more skeptical of Reddit's ability and impartiality when it comes to things like banning, you know, the gender critical subreddit or making other big free speech decisions. Uh, these, pe- these people are hacks. They, he admitted, Huffman did, to not properly vetting someone who is involved in a really serious sex abuse scandal, albeit one step removed from the abuse itself. So I don't trust people like this at all to decide what's too like dangerous or harmful for me to read. Right, absolutely. And and so the Graham Linehan connection here is that he's the one who who broke the story. What's the what's that? Yes, he he I think in some cases he legitimately broke news or the other people who go by pseudonyms themselves who write for his site gen, uh broke news. You know, and and I'm not going to not link to his newsletter, which did advance his story just because I find him offensive. I don't do that like moral contagion thing, but but it does make things a little bit more complicated because I, I don't approve of his methods in general. But he he was right that or, or uh, Jorg C or whatever was right that Amy Knight, Nate Chancellor, was this user uh, is not the imposter. And I think that launched this whole thing. And eventually tens of millions worth of Redditors uh, favorite subreddits, the mods all agreed this is ridiculous. And the end result was, um, was Knight was fired. Right. And so Graham, when this became a story, Graham was apparently like very pissed that people weren't crediting him. And he, I think, made the assumption, probably in some cases, the, the correct assumption that this is because his brand is sort of toxic and people aren't standing up for him. I didn't know that he broke this story because I don't read his newsletter. And I think a lot of people probably didn't know because they don't read his newsletter. It's just information gets posted on the internet, it gets passed around. And at some point, the like person who breaks the story doesn't matter to anybody except for that person. Um, most people don't give a shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, but Graham was like uh, mad that nobody was saying like Graham Linehan, uh, Graham Linehan did this. So 
Graham Linehan did this. Well, I'm I'm trying to look up my so I do think I was one of the first sort of um mainstream journalists to tweet about it. And I believe I think I basically avoided linking it directly to Graham Substack because the second you do that, people will say, Why are you linking to this source? And that's not fair or right. But there was also, yeah, I, I just have to admit, I, that that was my initial inclination because I wanted the story to catch on and people to read it. And my tweet, um, you know, I got 500 retweets on it just saying, explaining what happened. And I, I don't think I did link to his newsletter, which, you know, you can judge me for that. But that's all the more reason to not have a third of your newsletters be you ridiculing the appearance of trans women. Right. I mean, this is a problem. You know, like John Kay did a great write up about about your thing about these people defaming you, but it's published in Quillette and Quillette is toxic. And so if you admit to reading Quillette or linking Quillette, people just write you off because there's just this like tribalism and like good, bad, um, which is really, really problematic. But we also have to like kind of work within that sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's difficult. And I mean, people, people would say you and I are tainted and we now have like, absolutely. That's why I'm sympathetic to this is because people would say the same thing. Like if Jesse single says the sky is blue, is that, you know, yeah, exactly. Can you trust what he says? Because he's a transphobe or whatever. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we have to say about this other than pedophilia is bad in case we haven't hammered that point home enough. Always all pedophilia. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a tech company acting really poorly. Hopefully they'll, you know, the fact that they didn't vet her background is insane. Hopefully there will be a little bit more vetting. Uh, I don't know. Did you have anything else to say about this, Katie? As much as she seems like a, a like a fucking weirdo and a crazy person and has surrounded herself sometimes by choice, sometimes not by people who have done genuinely bad things, you know, should she never be able to get work again? No, I don't believe that. Um, but yeah, I was I explicitly said I didn't think she should be fired. I I just want to make sure there's like the proper safeguards in place. I don't think someone like this should never be able to work again. I think she's a victim too, given who her father. How could that not have fucked you up right. having a father like that? Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. So yeah, so I guess nobody's nobody comes off good uh, in this case, including us. No, we come out great. We're we're the best. Always, always. I think that's about it, Katie. Anything else you want to add? I think that's it. Uh, email your complaints to Jesse directly. Don't CC me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I always do that. Thank you guys for everything. Thanks. Bye. We're back, Katie. We are back. I'm so tired. Every time that you say you're tired, I just imagine you being one of these people on Twitter who's just so exhausted that you can't possibly provide evidence for whatever claim that you're making. <laughs> Y'all, I'm so tired. So tired. <laughs> my uh, my boss didn't promote me, and I thought I deserved it. I'm so tired, y'all. Your boss is never going to promote you. Give up that dream. All right. So after this episode went up, um, Graham Linehan's extremely, you know, I don't want to exacerbate things or throw fuel on the fire. So let me just say this in a spirit of charity and diplomacy, Graham Linehan's fans on Twitter are so fucking annoying. (laughs) Jesse, you are not helping. You are not helping at all. There were just like, okay, there was a lot going on. There were all these accusations. Um, like one of Graham's responses was like when we said like, okay, maybe don't sort of screenshot people's dating profiles of, of, of people who identify as trans women. Graham's response was to post them again and be like, no, see, see, right. You really think they're lesbians. And it's just like, 
again, we can have conversations about sex and gender and, and who should be allowed to say what a lesbian is without mocking individuals. That should be pretty easy. Right. So we criticize Graham for mocking these individuals, and his response to that is to mock them further. Um, I want to make a point about this because this is something a lot of people took like major issue with me for because I have talked about, you know, sort of the disappearance of the lesbian and, and lesbian spaces. Her is not a lesbian app. It is a queer app. It is marketed for LGBTQ plus people, not lesbians, not exclusively females. And so this idea that this app shouldn't be allowed to dictate their only their own terms of service to me is is just crazy. It's crazy. I mean, and this isn't to say that that tech companies are are you know beyond reproach. I'm not saying that at all. But this app is not designed to be for lesbians. It is designed to be for queer women, and that includes trans women, according to the app's own terms of service. So the people who Graham was posting on the app had not violated the terms of service at all. Someone sent me an email I mentioned in the app or in the episode that someone um, that when I the, when I got on the app, I saw one person who was clearly a cis man. And this this letter writer said, how do you tell from a photo that he's clearly cis rather than a man who hasn't transitioned? Well, because it said it in his profile picture. I mean, it said it in his profile bio. And these 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 uh, these photos that Graham posted. They say, and you can see this in his blog post, they they say on the app that they are trans women and. Someone else posted on Twitter, uh, told me that this is a problem because young lesbians are going to be catfished by these trans women. First of all, if you've seen the photos that Graham posted, you would know nobody is going to be catfished by them unless they were actually blind. Yeah, I mean, that's like the whole, his whole critique right. is they don't look like, like cis women. No one's getting catfished. Right. I mean, if you were, if you were actually blind, possibly, maybe that would be an issue. But they say that they are trans women in their actual profiles. So they're still not trying to catfish people. They're, they're allowed on the app. Um, you know, if you want to make an app that is just for females, just for les, for actual biological females who identify as lesbians, do it. But this isn't that app. So I just find it like very strange that this man is trying to force the women who own this app to comply with his version of what their company should be. I will say that if someone did try to make that app, it would be a giant shitstorm immediately. But, but your, Absolutely. Point, your broader point is, is correct. Absolutely. Moving on. The criticism that annoyed me most about this during this whole saga was that a number of people said that the only reason you and I would criticize Graham, and to their to their mind, it was much more than criticism, it was somehow throwing him under the bus, was because we want to get back in the graces, the good graces of the trans community. A couple <laughs> yeah. things here. A, why the fuck would I care if Grace Lavery and Jude Doyle invite me to their brunch parties? That's not something I want. And B, that's not possible. I could change my fucking pronouns, start taking tea, and cut my tits off, and I would still not be welcomed in the good graces of the trans community. It is not possible. And to think that we are dumb enough to think that it is possible is, frankly, insulting to our intelligence. This is also just this incredibly dumb, incredible online thing that drives me crazy where someone becomes like one of your fans or your readers and they agree with you they agree with you they agree with you they agree with you 90 times 99 times in a row and every time they agree with you they assume you hold that position earnestly then the hundredth thing you say they disagree with you and there must be some ulterior motive you had for saying it you couldn't hold that opinion earnestly because they don't agree with it it's just it's a stupid move and we see this so like the, the overlap between like 
the crazy trans people who have attacked us and these people who are using the same tactics. I mean, I will say, nobody told me to choke on a girl dick, which I appreciate, but this is a very good example of horseshoe theory. Oh, yeah. It's the same. Like, so it's like, uh, you, uh, you know, you're skeptical of youth transition because you want to be like a shill like Ben Shapiro and get those big bucks. It's like, it's the same thing. Like, no, we say what we say because we believe it and we have reasons for it. Not everything is a conspiracy theory. Okay. Another point. A bunch of people said that Graham posting these dating profiles is satire and therefore it's okay. I don't fucking care if it's satire. It is ineffective. If what your if your goal is to A, change the terms of service of the app, you should probably direct your complaints to the app itself. Instead, Graham put up this, you know, this blog post. He gets kicked off the app because he joined the app against the terms of service. Um, they're not responsive to your criticism if you do it like this. I should say, I asked people over and over on Twitter to give us like precise, precise corrections that we needed to make. Some people did. A lot of it, what it was was just, you lied about Graham and you defamed Graham. And when I asked for specific examples, they didn't have any. So what does that remind you of, Jesse? Uh, no, I've never experienced anything like that. People launching accusations without evidence. No, this was new. No one's ever done that before. Right. Um, okay, so this so I did get one email. I referred to it earlier. Um, this person writes, can you reconcile your constant criticism of people who won't always go along with pronouns, dismissing us as assholes, with you saying that you won't always go along with pronouns for anyone who hasn't taken any steps towards transitioning or who does not have dysphoria? You can't maintain both positions at the same time. Is it okay when you do it? What are the ground rules here? First of all, I didn't say that people who misgender people are assholes. I said you look like assholes. And if you want your movement to be successful, you need to do things that aren't going to alienate everybody but gender-critical feminists and conservatives. Well, it's not, but it's not, it's not just tactics. Like it is a matter of, of, of being kind to people, I would say, right? For like most of there, – there are outlying cases where it's just like someone – if someone literally puts no effort into transitioning or changing their appearance but says that they will be deeply harmed if they're not treated as the other side, I mean that sometimes it just gets a little bit eye-rolly. But for the vast majority of people, this is why you just default to not misgendering people because the vast majority of people like – that's how they want to be treated. It does not mean you need to accept every claim of the most radical activist on Tumblr. It is just a matter of etiquette and politeness. And if we treated it as that, as a matter of etiquette and politeness, rather than some like metaphysical statement about the nature of sex and gender, the conversation would be a little bit more healthy. Right. And when I said that I would I would misgender, in this case, Peter Coffin in particular, as we said on the episode, this is someone who has chosen to adopt new pronouns for a political reason and has been very explicit about this. Yes, he said he said that. Like it's the idea that when someone says, I don't like male privilege, so I'm not a man that I have to be like, OK, you're I mean, that doesn't make any come on. Come on. Farhad Manju, also somebody who has said that that he wants to go by they for political reasons. No. <laughs> I'm not going to wow, You're that. misgendering a New York Times staffer. Yeah, act of violence. Okay, speaking of misgendering, a lot of people who hadn't listened to the episode apparently were under the impression that I said that Graham Linehan would misgender Buck Angel. I didn't say that. I said, would Graham misgender, just misgender Buck Angel? The answer to that is apparently no. To me... If you say, I will use the preferred pronouns of these people I like and who agree with me, but I'm not going to use the preferred pronouns of someone like Grace Lavery or whoever else because I don't like them, that's not a compelling argument. It's not. No. And and maybe Graham would, would respond by saying like, well, uh, I won't misgender people if they put some effort in transitioning, but the, the well, trans Grace, women on the dating app, yeah, Grace, and then the trans women on the dating app like all tried, they weren't just looking like stereotypical dudes. They made some effort to transition. This really just seems to be a tribal thing for Graham. 
the real harm here and the the most morally inexcusable thing that happened is I've been forced to defend Grace Lavery. Do you, do you know what that's like? Have you noticed that they have the same initials? <laughs> is this like, are they the same person? What Graham did, accusing Grace of grooming, you heard that in the episode, um, it's, it's just fucking egregious. And that's exactly the reason this guy's enemies seem to pile up. He should have just apologized. Instead, he did a bullshit blog post where he said, well, you know, grooming in the sense that queer theory blurs boundaries and that could be used. No, shut up, dude. Just you said something horrible about a trans woman, not a sympathetic one, but but she doesn't deserve that. Just make fun of her dumb opinions and her stupid beliefs and her bad writing. Don't make fun of her. Don't call her a groomer. That's disgusting. And and for someone who claims to be an LGBT ally, this has traditionally been something people say about gay people and queer people. Oh, they're they're grooming. What are they doing to the children? I, I just I, if you can't even see why that is bad behavior and that warrants an apology, I think that explains something. People are mad that we didn't invite him on the show. I understand why people are mad about that, but we talk about this. This show is criticism. We talk about a lot of people on this show, and we're not going to invite all of them on the show. We're just not. That's not. We have a, almost zero right. guests. Like, what percentage of our episodes have guests? And yeah, sorry. I didn't no, mean and that, I mean, that's it. Should we also invite Grace Lowry? Maybe. Maybe the show would be more interesting if we were constantly inviting on the people that we are criticizing on the show. But that's not what this show is. Um, Graham has yeah. now, uh, he wrote another Substack. I don't know if it was asking or demanding us to uh, have him on the show. I would have been more sympathetic towards it before I got inundated by people demanding that we have him on a show. That's it. Well, that's the other thing is it's like obviously um, there there was another trans actress. I told you about this. I asked her if she wanted to come on to talk about our disagreements. I don't need to name her name, but she decided not to, as is her right. But part of the calculus for who to invite on is like, if someone is just a raging asshole, I don't want to have a conversation with them. And I'm not, they're not entitled to it. I, I don't, this idea that we, you know, again, we, we made some small factual errors. I'm sorry we said <laughs> he was British rather than Irish, but like, we're not in, we, no, you don't get to tell us who we have on the show. You can suggest people and we can say yes or no. We turn down people want to come on or tell us they want someone else on all the time. Yeah. Right. This happens all the time. We rarely have guests on the show. That's not what the show is. At some point, we will probably have a gender critical feminist on the show, but it will be someone who has been working in this this field longer and, frankly, who's probably a woman. Graham once or twice has tw- – uh, he signed me up for his newsletter when he launched it. I did not ask for the subscription. He'll he'll send out a newsletter that's like protect this woman and there'll be someone he thinks is being treated unfairly. And there is this slightly domineering, I'm going to protect the women unless they disagree with me and then I will denounce him. There is something about the way he goes about this that really turns people off, including, you know, he went after like Kathleen Stock for going against him. It's a gender critical philosopher in the UK. Uh, I, we We're not... We have no obligation to have anyone on the show we don't want to. I also I don't want to be a jerk about this, but like this this big feeling wave of um people furious at us did not seem to really translate into like a hit to our numbers. Like a few people unsubscribed, which is fine, but it wasn't it was no noticeable blip and and there's going to be some disagreement and you know, if if you really can't handle that and or sometimes even being a little bit mad at us about disagreement, 
it might not be the show for you. But like we we try to be open about our beliefs. We don't hide behind anything. Right. That was the most frustrating thing about all of this to me was just besides people assuming that we had some sort of bad faith reason for criticizing Graham. And we're, really, we like secretly agree with him. And we're just saying this because we want to be friends with Jude Doyle. Um, the other thing was that, you know, you and I are, and I, we said this in the show, you and I are not activists. We are reporters and we are critics. Our job is not to ignore the bad behavior of someone like Graham because the same people hate us. It would be incredibly dishonest. Well, it's a horseshoe theory again, too, because like, so there, there's this awful, maybe we'll talk about it at some point, but this awful bill passed in Arkansas that that bans trans medical care. There's another bill being discussed in North Carolina. And there's so much pressure from the other side to be like, to ignore the fact that while these bans are horrible, we don't really have good evidence on puberty blockers. There's this belief that journalists are supposed to just help the activists by not providing inconvenient messages at inconvenient times when my view is like we should be comprehensive about this stuff and we should be honest about it and open about it. But this is all horseshoe theory. All these demands and all this anger just w- was like the the mirror image of all the stuff we'd heard from the other side and it got exhausting. So tired, y'all. Okay, I think this is my last point on this. We had a few major criticisms of Graham. This is about tactics. We also said that he got some stuff right. And most importantly, we defended his right to say on Substack, which is where Graham is being attacked. People are trying to get him deplatformed, and we defended him. This, to me, was the most important part of the episode. And people seem to be ignoring it because we criticized his tactics. We need to be able to criticize everybody, including people who might think of us as allies or people we think of as friends. Um, that's part of of having integrity as, at this job. I don't have integrity in my personal life, but I do want to have integrity when it comes to this podcast. And our job is not to ignore bad behavior, even in cases where we might have some agreement. Yep, I agree. This whole thing was annoying, um, but hopefully we can move on. Yeah. So after this, we're going to put this episode out and I resolve to never speak of it again. I had brain surgery so that I will no longer be able to pronounce Graham's name (laughs) after this. Graham Lavery. Can you imagine if they got married? How adorable that'd be. (laughs) Okay. Thank you guys for listening. You can send us feedback on this episode, but we're not going to address it. This is it. <laughs> we're going to print it out and burn we're it. We're done. No, we get so much good feedback. I don't want to give the impression otherwise, but like this has just been – when you get like 50 people tweeting the same thing at you for days, it gets a little bit tiring. So, um, yeah. We did get some nice emails from uh, some actual radical feminists who thanked us. So apparently we didn't piss everybody off. Very gratifying. Everyone loves us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.